Welcome to the Community Development Podcast, episode 10. My name is Russell Todd, and this is a podcast dedicated to community development as a practice, the merits, the value of it, uh, and as an approach, um, but also to you know, share the wisdom and the learning amongst the community development practitioners out there and to share our learning. I'm in the city centre of Cardiff, and I have the pleasure of the company of John Rose, the director of the Big Lottery Fund in Wales. Hello, John. Hello. John, what do people need to know about you, both perhaps both in terms of your, your professional, personal background, but also what your role is at the Big Lottery in Wales? Okay, well, as you touched upon, um, my name is John Rose. I'm director of Big Lottery Fund in Wales. Um, so I guess my role here is oversight of, of the operation of Big Lottery Fund in Wales and working with our team of around 50 employees who are there really to support and help communities the length and breadth of Wales. My own background is, is quite eclectic. Left school pretty early, about 16. Um, actually had lots of strange jobs, like being a chef and a door-to-door salesman early on. Went back to college as a mature student, and then having left that, worked in the voluntary sector for four years as a project officer with Keep Wales Tidy at that time, um, and then found myself going into the sort of world of funding afterwards. I, I've been here for about 14 years now in a number of different roles, and for the last six years I've been director. It's a great job to do because it brings you in contact with lots of amazing organisations uh, who really are the stars of the show in terms of, of the work they do in communities across Wales. So, yeah, I'm a lucky man. You said, as we were just warming up, 1,200 projects a year funded. Something like that. The majority of them are actually small grants. So the vast majority of our grants go out through National Lottery Awards for All, uh, and those are up to £10,000. And, and it's quite incredible, actually, to see the difference that often modest sums of money can make to organisations, uh, more importantly, to communities in Wales. Mm. But that said, um, you know, we give out a whole variety of awards as well, starting at, at 500 quid, but going up to um, many millions of pounds. Um, so it's a really sort of broad church of projects that we support. Mm. And my background, I'll have been involved in any number of applications, actually, <laughs> down the years in, in a different funds, because different funding sort of streams will come and they will go. That's right, yeah. yeah? yeah. We'll get onto some of that. What does community mean, though, to the big lottery? First thing to distinguish, really, is that it's no one single Mm. thing. So, of course, there are lots of, if you like, geographic communities um, that apply to us for support. But as well, it's about communities of interest. It's those like-minded people who may have a common interest or common issues that come together to actually address them. But actually, the key thing is they're driven Mm. from the community itself. So we would take quite a broad approach, often actually trying to avoid, if you like, a specific definition. But I would say, yeah, it's about communities of place and communities of interest, often those who come together out of a common interest. Yeah. And so they can operate at different scales then, in terms of some of the geography, in terms of those interests? Uh, absolutely. I mean, we see a, a real mixture here. If I look at the work of the fund across the UK, you know, as I said, the vast majority of our awards are often at a very grassroots mm. level. Mm. But we support projects that both cover the whole of Wales or indeed the whole of the UK. Mm. Although, again, often those are, if you like, portfolios of lots of different projects from different parts of the UK that come together. Okay. And uh, I was taking a look at the strategic vision by way of sort of preparation for this, and the sort of the headline, the strapline, or a mantra even, is, is, is putting people in the lead. Yeah, very yeah. much so. So we've been on this journey for a couple of years now. Uh, it actually stems back to what I would have called a conversation rather than a consultation back in 2014, 2015, where we ran a very open exercise called Your Voice, Our Vision, which was trying to get... Um, you know, people, uh, the length and breadth of the UK, to uh, give a view of what they wanted from us. Um, and what came apparent from all those conversations was that real sense of here was an opportunity to use National Lottery funding to help communities 
be self-defining actually in, mm, in what okay. they were doing so it's very much shaped the approach we've taken I'd, I'd like to think we've always been fairly community driven particularly in, in what I call our responsive grant funding like National Lottery Awards for All and, and like People and Places but it really kind of cemented the need to have funding funding streams that really allow communities to do what's important to them and I wouldn't want to assume that people generally both the public or maybe people a little bit more close involved in community activities community activism community development and so on wouldn't want to necessarily assume that people are aware that that happens at the outset that there's a the conversation that actually you're responding as a funder to what people are saying what what sectors are, are saying having been here as I said for about 14 years you know some of our past consultations have been more about if you're like what shall we fund rather than maybe how shall how? we fund yeah and the your voice our vision consultation was much much broader it was far more open to it, it allowed people to say what they wanted to say but what I would say is, is even in some of our earlier consultation, people have always said, you know, and the, particularly the third sector has come back to us loud and clear and said, we really like responsive funding. And, and what I mean by that is that very broad funding that you know, allows communities to self-define what they want to do. Um, so you know, anyone who's actually uh, applied for awards for all or indeed people and places probably has a sense that it's pretty broad mm. in terms of, of, of what it's trying to achieve because ultimately what's important to us is, it shouldn't be what's important to us, it's what's important to communities. Yeah. So uh, some of the thinking with this is, is as you rightly touched upon, the, the, the framework is called People in the Lead. But we kind of, I suppose in its crudest sense, say we want projects to be people-led, strengths-based and connected. Mm. But the people-led bit is a really, really important element to that. And so more and more we're adapting to asking applicants, people when they come to us, trying to find out the extent to which they're linked in and connected in their communities, rather than that old approach of kind of saying, tell us about the need. Yeah. Um, it, it actually came from an event up in Newcastle where I think one of the organisations we fund there coined it really nicely when they said well actually you're now asking us what matters to us not what's the matter with us and I think that's just such a good encapsulation of what we're trying to achieve here yeah. but as I said we're, we're on a journey with this so um, we're trying to get better at it as we go along. And to what extent is that reflective of trends more broadly across the UK and second part more broadly across funders? Not quite sure if it's the same across funders. I mean, for us, this is a UK-wide strategic framework, right. so every part of the UK for Big Lottery Fund is putting a fast, greater emphasis mm. on both being people-led and a strengths-based approach. Yeah. But also in understanding that, it's important for us to understand that it's not one way, necessarily. It's you know People in the lead can look quite different in different mm. contexts, mm. and so it's about actually trying to understand the context in which you might be providing some funding to ensure that it works best as possible yeah, for yeah, those communities. Yeah. In one of the early podcasts we did, we went up and met Gary Brown from Brumbo Heritage yeah. up on the old steelworks site there. And they've just had another award from your community asset transfer scheme, which is sort of topping up yeah. ever more the, the amount of money that they're looking to acquire and invest on that site. But I think what was interesting and what came through loud and clear on that was the extent to which there's a lot of dialogue yeah. between them as an applicant and then the well, different funders in their case. I think maybe, and I can remember this, where you had that, I've gone back sort of 20, 25 years, where you had a, a deadline to meet, and you might have got in early, or you might have been getting in 10 minutes before the, before it ended. That's what most, most are. Yeah, <laughs> but 
but that was this, to a large extent. I'm simplifying a bit, but to a large extent, that was the extent of the relationship and the yeah. interaction. It was here's the paperwork, maybe yeah. some questions at the yeah. start, in you go. And what Gary able to articulate, and I think a couple of other uh, of our podcasts have done the same, is the extent to which it is more of a conversation and dialogue these days. Certainly, with those schemes, I mean, and interestingly, their first award that we gave them, the significant award there under a scheme called Create Your Space, and that was as we were trying to start to reflect a more people-led approach in the programmes that we were running. So there was a really strong emphasis in that about that dialogue and actually the key thing we were looking for was the extent to which the applicants there, uh, anyone applying to us, was really linked into the communities yeah. that they served. Now, um, I've been fortunate enough to go up and visit Frimbo since then and went in and did, did a surprise for them, actually, when, when they were successful. And we were quite struck with that about how the project was a number of different sort of, if you like, projects or sites that they were linking yeah. up and they'd invested an incredible amount of time in speaking to the community that they serve, their community, and thinking about how this would come yeah. together. And, yeah. and that came across very strongly. So it's always great then to go up and actually see it in action so and the proxy for community involvement is helpful the number of times we were interrupted by people walking in on the recording we were involved with the organization then um, then yeah we had to jump out quite a bit of interruption but but that's a nice headache to have in that in that context i think within community development practitioners the workforce we have to recognize that this isn't money for nothing this isn't money for free mm-hmm. this it's invariably from public sources and so it has to be accountable and we you know we kind of get that but sometimes over the years there's been a feeling that the way in which you're having to evidence impact or yeah. evidence spend hasn't been sympathetic to the, the nuances and the and the, the pressures and sometimes the lapses in time scale etc and what I'm interested in I don't suppose we'll ever get rid of those tensions but increasingly there's a demand now to have funds around recognising social value and then it gets harder sometimes to, to articulate that. So where's the big lottery in Wales in terms of being ever more sympathetic and accommodating and expedient then to those mm-hmm. sort of pressures? I'd like to think we're always trying to think from a customer's perspective about how does it feel to work with us. Mm. Um, that's certainly our intention that we look that way. So we always try and take a flexible approach with organisations. To some extent for us it's the easy bit of the job where they're there to keep the National Lottery Funds sort of flowing through this. Projects are faced on a day-by-day basis of the, all those little things that come along to get in your way. Yeah. And of course any, any good project that's based in its community has that complexity of being part of a community Absolutely. and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know communities aren't, aren't straightforward so we've always taken an approach where we've tried to I suppose keep an eye on the outcome that the project is uh, the organization is looking to achieve but if they find they need to change direction in order to get to that outcome looking at being quite flexible about mm. how people use their mm. money mm. so if you've got one of our larger awards you will have contact directly with a, a member of staff mm. and we'll try and keep that as consistent as possible and when those little issues come along we'd rather very much organizations are open and honest with us and we'll look to try and support them. At the end of the day, I said, we really want projects to be successful yeah. and communities to succeed and from that success to kind of see that confidence bloom that mm, comes out mm, from mm. it. So I would hope that we are a flexible funder. Yes, we want to check in on your accounts once a year and look at that to see things that are you know see things are flowing correctly in the vast majority of cases they are people are out there to try and succeed mm, to try and mm. do the best for their communities so it's for us to kind of stand with communities and be as supportive as we can be but also at times with the ability to actually kind of hold to account because yeah. naturally we have to do that it's public money but actually more to the point it's the lottery ticket buyer's money mm, and so mm, we're mm. trying to ensure that that money is put to good use and it really has been there's been a, a, a huge amount of money has been spent across wales mm, mm. in the last 20 to 25 years directly as a result of of people buying national lottery yeah, tickets yeah and of course, I suppose, if nothing else, money to this group is money, but potentially not to another group over here. 
The way I always used to, to look at it when I was working with groups and supporting them to apply with any firm, frankly, was that the more confident they get at applying, at spending, that's going to grow. And then they're a customer yeah. for the next fund or the next round, which, you know, probably a nice headache for yourselves to have is to have yeah. more applicants than, than the money that's available rather than having to scratch around for bids or scratch around for potential applicants. We don't scratch around for bids. No. We tend to, tend to be oversubscribed. But, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. And one of the most satisfying things is often people's first bite at the cherry is to come in for a small grant, something like Awards for All, and then you see groups grow from there yeah. and actually come back maybe for slightly more. Or even better, they might be developing their own other income streams because uh, you know, as somebody who I think is, has worked in the sector actually still volunteers as well. When you have a small organisation that can sustain itself without having to worry about the next source of grant funding, mm. then that's great. And when our money can come in, when National Lottery money can come in and actually pump prime organisations to do that but to give them that confidence it's just just great to see that yeah. and, and, and you know so often it's the small grants that starts that. Looking at it from a community development perspective then a little bit more in a purer sense then uh, would you be reassured would you as a funder be that little bit more confident I'm talking kind of percentage points here it's not the deal breaker I'm sure if to know that there's that sort of community development approach taking place within an area or within a community of interest where people are saying this is something that we want to tackle, this is something that we can do better for ourselves mm -hmm. perhaps. They're identifying inequalities, they're identifying challenges and they're kind of finding their solutions and they might actually be trialling two or three different things and some things might not work but that they're really kind of getting in there, getting their hands dirty to, to, to coin a phrase. Whether that's somebody in a community development role helping community members and activists find their way and articulate their voice, whether it's them themselves doing it. Is that something that you're reassured with, prefer to see? I'd say it's something we probably look at increasingly. Mm. It goes back to the, this point of people in the lead. And, and I mentioned earlier, you know, we're almost looking at projects, to, particularly the larger ones, to look to the extent to which they're people-led, strengths-based and connected. Connected is a key one I'll mm. come back to. I think that, that organisations aren't or communities aren't working in isolation. But to go back to your first question, uh, you know, I think it's vital. So lots of the questions that the guys here will be asking people, even before they apply, you know, we, we often try and talk to people when they're thinking about applying. Mm, mm. Um, and the questions we'll be asking around then is trying to get the extent to which the community the project serves is involved in it, you know, so probably more than consultation. Mm, mm. And again, it's about being proportionate to the amount that we might be asked for um, and to understand what's the best way to engage with that community. Engagement in a, um, in a tight-knit geographical community can look quite different. Uh, to one that might work with people with specific needs. Mm. Um, and it's still absolutely essential that people are engaged and are part of the ideas, the planning, the delivery, etc. But it can look quite different yeah. in different situations. More and more, we're not sort of saying, well, what's the need? We're saying, so to what extent is the community involved? Mm. How have you talked to yeah. the community about this? And trying to, to pick that out. That may have been where there's been some professional community development support because that certainly has a, a massive role mm. in this. Mm. There are other communities who are just good at this. Yeah. They're good at talking to yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes then we might be just saying, well, there's a lot of conversation on here which is going on, which is great. But ha have you talked to that part of the community? Yeah. That point again about trying to ensure that people are thinking inclusively. Mm -hmm. But again, you were saying, if I'm right, just double-check, that can happen pre-application and again it just reinforces that and point to my mind that this yeah. is 
conversational, it's about a dialogue, it's in everybody's interest that the bid is yeah. successful. It's, it's becoming more and more conversational. So we're, we're actually in the process at the moment of reorganising ourselves so that we can try and be closer to the communities we serve, really understand that context. So we, it's not a, just a paper-based exercise, yeah, yeah. but we have this slight challenge of only having 50 people in yeah. Wales to do that. And as I said, somewhere between 1,700 and actually sort of 2,000 applications that mm. come in. So mm. It, mm. it's about balancing that and trying to understand that. I'd referred to the Create Your Space programme earlier where we supported Brumbo. We're trying to reflect this more and more through other schemes that we're launching now. So most recently we, we launched a scheme called Helping Working Families, which is is, is looking to support uh, people who are working but remain living in poverty because, of course, that's a significant issue in Wales at the moment. And rather than ask those applicants to tell us up front, OK, exactly what are you going to do, the initial questioning is how are you going to engage people who have lived experience of this yeah. so that when you design the response that you're coming to us with, you know it's informed mm-hmm. by the people mm-hmm. that you serve. And I think that's so there's a shift in the way that we're almost asking the question now to really check in and test the extent to which people are talking to to, to those who ultimately um, should be a big part of these projects. Because it's about putting them in the lead, not the applicant in the lead. Absolutely. We recently undertook a piece of work with the Bevan Foundation called Future of Doing Good, and, and, and the one thing that really stood out to me with that is we must never lose sight of the fact that it's the people that we're supporting the ultimate customer if you like and that's what we're trying to do i think mm-hmm. is remember that that you know if you're a, if you receive a public service be that through local authority or council the council or, or the third sector the most important thing is a great service that the person yeah. receives yeah 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 i since there's been an irony in the last few years in wales communities first big big programs coming to an end very very soon but when it reconfigured to go into clusters um, in fact, probably a little bit before that, it became more reliant on government money mm. because the way that programme was being reconfigured and had less of an ability to, to draw any other sources of funding, Awards for All, and you've mentioned a, a couple that you know, I can remember going for, which I thought was an I- ironic given that at that point in time, around 2009-10, credit crunch had happened, recession had happened, and we mm. were beginning to hear about austerity and declining public budgets. So I think it was, it was an irony at that point that a programme of that nature that was very much community-based immersed in the community became more reliant on those sources of funding that were going to become increasingly less and I think you look at programs like Big Local I think in England mm-hmm. um, you've then got the equivalent bid building Communities Trust in Wales Community First is coming to an end we're not too sure what's happening next and for the first time in quite a number of years Wales doesn't know what's happening next whereas we've had longevity and it's mm-hmm. been the, ch- the churn in terms of programs has happened elsewhere in the UK but Building Communities Trust has still got another few years left to run and is in some of those communities' first yep. areas. And so, at the moment, it seems to be one of the few games in town in terms of programmes. And we can have some reservations about, about the merit of programmes and whether the money follows the programme rather than mm-hmm. you know the aspirations and the needs in the community and so on. But in terms of having that framework and having that guaranteed funding or investment, Building Communities Trust, BCT, is, is one of the few games in, in town in Wales at the minute. Is that fair? I'd see it a slightly different way. The first thing I'd say about building communities trust is that it was a great opportunity for us. So we've been delighted to support it and really, really excited to watch it, to see mm. what happens. And for those who, who are not aware of the scheme, effectively, it allowed us to place a, quite a large endowment with an organisation which is now looking to work in, I think it's 13 communities across Wales. Um, and in essence, it has a dedicated pot of money for each of those communities, for those communities to decide how they mm. would like to spend it and on what. 
And as you touched upon, I think 12 of the 13 are former communities first areas or in clusters. One isn't. Um, so they're testing that. The other area I think it's fair to say is that you know some of those communities have probably had highly successful programs in the past. Others might have found it a little bit more difficult. Mm. And so it's, it's looking at, again, an opportunity to give time mm. to allow this to develop. So um, unlike so many schemes that have two, three, four years to run at the most, BCT is, is working those communities over a 10 to 12 year period. Uh, and that's really exciting. So uh, to some extent, time-wise, it was a little bit of a precursor mm. for the approach that we're now taking. So you asked me would I agree with that. I suppose what I would say is, is actually I think Big Lottery Fund itself is to some extent a long-term fund Mm. We, we've been here for 20 years mm. in different guises, admittedly. But if as long as it isn't sub- fundamentally changed by government in terms of the legislation, um, in, in, in our eyes, you know, third sector continues to be, when I say third sector, civil society mm. continues to be our number one customer, if you like. vast majority of our money goes through voluntary organisations, be they formally constituted as charities or community groups. Mm. So the point I'm trying to make here is, as it stands at the moment, we're a fairly consistent fund that's available throughout. So we currently, you know, we distribute around £35 million a year. Over 90% of that, closer to 95%, goes directly into civil society organisations. So I wouldn't call us a programme, but if you think as mm. as some degree of consistency, yeah. which I think is really important, we continue to be here for Welsh communities mm. and, importantly, continue to think, how do we best serve those Welsh communities? That consistency, longevity, I think, is important because I think it gives people confidence that they can get involved and think yep. that there's actually something that can fund some of this and not necessarily going to rely on or wait for you know programmes and the you know, machinations of government and different administrations etc so having something that sits outside of that I think is absolutely yeah. absolutely key you've articulated this perfectly striving to be responsive then to what people are looking to, it, to it, want to do that, that responsive element is key I would say I think we if I looked at our funding overall um, we have this blend of, of uh, we always have most of our money goes out through responsive funding so again it goes back to National Lottery Awards for all and people in places but there are also times when we are able to be thematic if you like and, and follow themes so I referred earlier to the, the work that we're doing under the scheme called Helping Working Families where mm. we can hone in on an issue but the key thing then is also to try and think about how do we ensure the approach there is one that keeps people in the lead yeah. so it's, it's being honest and true to that and take that approach. Where it becomes a bit trickier as well is we need to recognise that at times fantastic ideas can come from individuals mm. that might not have been as inclusive in terms of, of, of consulting and we need to be smart enough mm. to pick those up where we think they could make a real difference to Welsh communities but also to be in a position to make sure those organisations, even if it started with an idea, absolutely committed to the the people that they serve. Mm -hmm. So again, more and more we're looking at strong evidence that projects have got those people right at the heart from the start to the finish as well. Something I've seen, John, is on the the website and kind of around around social media, is from the plus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's that? So I guess this is about us being more than the cash machine. I mean, mo- you know, a lot of people come to us because um, they want money, cash which is good, great. That's, cash yeah, machines cash, are good. Cash machine is great, right? Yeah. And, and actually, cash machine is absolutely vital in terms of supporting communities to do what they want. It unblocks at times mm-hmm. and it's helpful. Mm-hmm. But this is about us being, as I said, being more than the cash machine in terms of thinking about what's our role to support people to be as successful as they can be. So at times what we do is we might maybe 
make uh, very specific grants or, or, or if you like buying some additional support to support okay. organisations. Uh, in the past that's been providing additional support for organisations to understand evaluation, things like that, is an example of, of, of the sort of support that we've put in place. Um, over the years we've worked quite closely with people like WCVA to run a slightly enhanced programme where they provide additional support to communities that might, you know, might need that. So the point being here is, is that you're looking to adapt to support organisations, communities to be as successful as they possibly can. Anyone who sort of has a look at our strategic framework, which as we said was very much about people in the lead, but one key element of that we call is, is catalyst. And what we mean by that is, you know, how can we use some of our contacts, some of our skills to, to support people be successful? Typically that can involve um, bringing like-minded organisations together to actually share their learning, meet one another. Mm. It, you know, it can be incredibly isolating, I think, when yeah. you work in a voluntary capacity. You're working so hard to do this, and sometimes it's great to meet another community like you. You know, that's, that, that, that has and that there's a direct sense. parallel with, with yeah. sort of this, and certainly I think things that I can be very, very broad, and those things that really kind of push my buttons and I got something out of and I found interesting was how do we share? Yep. This is something I'm, you know, I'm hoping is happening with, with this podcast because that can be isolating. Yep. In fact, it often is isolating. Yep. It's not a case that it, it can be. It is. That's almost the default for some people. So we've looked at doing that. Some great examples. You know, over the last few years, we've put a lot of money into supporting community asset transfer. You know, that's been lottery funding. Mm. It's, also been, it's also been some of government's funding. And on that journey, those organisations learn so much. You know, they are probably the best place often to, if you like, provide what we might call community development support. Yeah. But actually, it's that lived experience. So, you know, what we might do in those instances is bring people together for what you might want to call it a conference. It could be just sort of a seminar which brings people together. And often afterwards, they make those links and they connect. Lovely example of this is recently goes back to actually create a space where, you know, of those projects they've almost formed two clusters, one in North Wales and one in South Wales, simply because of the geography yeah. and the de- time it takes. You know, where they're swapping notes, um, supporting each other, people in the end of the phone to find out, well, how did you do this? Mm. Often it, we're not the experts here, but what we do have is we have this kind of quite helicopter view of lots of activity going on that we fund or that maybe we don't fund that we know about and and trying to connect that up and so I think that's a really important role we can play another one at times as well is is trying to open doors or highlight good practice we see projects that come along that have been successful and it might be that we know somebody in Welsh government be that um, politician or you know be that civil servant that we can make that connection to because we happen to know they're really interested in this and that's really rewarding for us Mm. but actually if it's helpful for organisations then, then it enables us to go that step further yeah, and yeah, do that. Yeah. So I think that's a really important part. Um, third part is, you know, sometimes just starting a conversation. So I, I'd referred earlier um, to Future Doing Good, and, and you know, if you're interested, there's a there's a piece in the latest Bevan Foundation magazine about about what we found from that, and that was really about starting a conversation about the future of doing good, and just getting people talking about this and, and talking about should be important mm. in the, the communities that, mm. we're, that, that mm. we live in. And of course the other thing which we need to look at doing increasingly in the future, as a UK wide organisation, how can we spot great practice in different parts of the UK that actually we can then introduce into Wales and how can we help export the great stuff that 
people in Wales do to inform and inspire other parts of the UK. As I sit here now, I'm looking across the Bristol Channel at Bristol. There's lots of yes. great stuff that goes on there. And sometimes I think if we don't export and import those ideas perhaps as well as we can. And it'd be fantastic to think about how we might play a role to just do a little bit to improve that I, as well. I, I agree. I agree. I think in terms of community development, we talk about devolution and having devolved priorities and, and the autonomy to do different things. That's great. But I think in terms of sharing learning and good practice, I think that board has got quite hard in some cases by the time this goes out I'll have been to Lawrence Weston in Bristol yeah. to go and see the big local there because I wanted to see what they do how do they talk about it how is it monitored how do they evaluate how are they engaging yeah. what does participation mean in that context because increasingly my experience of this has been shaped by Community First Programme which has had its specific emphases as well yeah. which I think to be fair has had a bit less of a community sort of focus to it or responsive to communities' needs this increased focus on employability so you kind of end up finding yourself being corralled down a certain alleyway and you think well hang on a minute there's there's other things kind of going on and it was interesting and and I I, if it needs validating because I'm sure you get terrific feedback from it anyway when you're bringing people together in those kind of seminars and I sensed not formal learning it's Mm -hmm. conversations again yeah I think to validate the value and the worth of that is that it can be really difficult in community development to find the time to be reflective to take that yeah. step back and just have kind of 15 minutes just to ponder what have I done this week how have I you know have I achieved what I wanted to have I actually have I actually kind of obstructed something here have I held something up did I do too much or do too little so when you've got funds or programs or whatever it is but something that is in, that's creating a learning culture that says listen come along and we want you to come along on work time to do this and we might cover a rail fare or a mileage whatever it might be to come along to that is great because if we are struggling to find that time to lift their head up and look at what else is going and going on, people are kind of going, I think it's important that you do it. Yeah. And sometimes we might need to be encouraged and, yeah. and it needs yeah. to be helped. Does that make sense? It does. And it's, it's, it's something we, you know, we play a part in doing. As I, said, I think when it's, it's most successful is when maybe the organisations that, that may, might have come to those events um, keep contact afterwards. Yes. And we perhaps don't see all of that. So anything yeah. we can do to support that... Uh, that is helpful, I think, yeah. and, and, and it helps join that up. I guess it's one of those things we could probably almost never do enough of, but mm. um, it's just trying to make the most of what we can, I guess. And you're right, it is difficult to keep to keep touch of that beyond, yeah. so you don't know what the fruits of that pollination is then. But I think we can be fairly confident that it does happen, but it, I suppose sometimes it's important to, to kind of step back as well, rather than keep kind of sticking your nose in. I think there's a really big argument for getting out of the way at times. So earlier on you talked about how we saw ourselves as a supportive funder. Sometimes a supportive funder is one that just steps back and actually it doesn't want want you to check in all the time. And that goes back to that point I was saying about ultimately the communities that we work with, the organisations, are far more often know more about their communities than we ever do and yes we might play a sort of critical friend and of course we keep that eye on it but sometimes just being flexible or getting out of the way is Mm -hmm. a a really Mm -hmm. good way of doing this Mm -hmm. but also going back to the point of learning often people are so busy doing their day jobs if we can do something just to create that little bit of space the feedback we get quite often is that wow I'm glad I took that day out of the office to recharge my batteries a little bit by listening to others and I've learned a bit there today because it can even if they don't learn anything new necessarily and I'm sure people do it can sometimes be really great that their experience is getting validated actually there's people going through the same thing who've been on the same path and so on and that can be incredibly powerful and motivating as well yeah 
And, and I guess other bits and pieces we try and do. Um, we've got a great communications team here who increasingly you know, provide support around things like use of social media. Yeah. So it's just thinking where we can add a bit of value there. Uh, we're generally an organisation of generalists here. We're, we're not experts in particular fields. We have contact with experts and we can connect to the experts. And we, we have a base understanding of quite a lot of bits and pieces. Mm. But understanding that and understanding how you can support people who really know this stuff to link up is very rewarding. Yeah. So the future, where are we going? Where are funders going? Well, um, there's still a couple of years, year or two left of the strategic vision. Yeah. So that will need to be renewed and, and, yeah. and updated. You know, we've used the term austerity already. It doesn't appear to be going anywhere anytime soon. Maybe Brexit, mm-hmm. withdrawal of, from the European Union has some impact on not just the big lottery in Wales or the big lottery in the UK, but maybe funders more broadly. So yeah, where are we going? That's a big question. I appreciate it. It's a big question, which I'll answer personally, okay. I think. I'll try, I'll okay. try and shed some light on, on what I think. And I'll, I can also give a sense of, of Big Lottery Fund, I think. If I start with Big Lottery Fund, you said yourself, we're, we're, we're basically three years into a six-year vision. And our materials and our funding programmes are placing a far greater emphasis now on being people-led uh, for much of the time. So you know, that's our direction of travel. I'm comfortable now that we're on the way there. As a team in Wales, as I said, we're trying to organise ourselves so that we can have more direct contact, particularly for the larger awards or the larger applications, earlier conversations, and importantly, build up a, as good an understanding we can of the communities that are approaching us. Mm. That should help us make good judgments and, and make good awards. We're always going to probably have more coming to us than we have money available, so yeah. it's important that we have full understanding of that. We kind of go through these cycles where we look at what our themes might be and we're beginning to do that again at the moment to sort of scope out are there any perhaps thematic areas that that we should hone in on. But what I would say, what must underpin all that is an ongoing commitment to responsive funding. So again, said it before today, but it's, it's awards for all and people and places because every time we do this, that's the first thing we're told. So they're really, really important in terms of, of, of where we're going. So I'd expect over the next year that you'll hear more from us about what those themes might be that are emerging. So if you like, that's my director of Big Lottery Fund hat on. So what do I think more generally? Of course, we've heard a lot about austerity, Brexit. They're constantly in the press. And there's no doubt that they present a very significant challenge. So unless the tax regime changes, then we're not suddenly going to have lots more money going out where it used to be, if you like. I think those years are plenty to some extent past. So we've got to look at how we use the resources that we've got. Brexit, obviously, it's the broader... It would be easy to focus in the, on the EU funding, but actually it's the far broader impact which we're not clear upon, so we'll be in a sort of relatively volatile environment, I think, mm. for, a, for a number of years. Um, coming back to funding, which is probably the area I feel sort of most able to talk about, um, you know, there are new sources of funding emerging as well, so um, I know, you know WCDA will shortly be administering the, the landfill tax in Wales, so you know, there are schemes there. There's enterprise as well. So, you know, in the last few years, I've always been impressed by the entrepreneurial spirit of of lots of communities. The community energy sector, I think, is a really interesting area where effectively those communities, through energy generation and the use of feed-in tariffs, have developed an income stream for Mm -hmm. themselves. Um, You know, I know that doesn't work for everybody. Feed-in tariffs have changed. Some of the planning regulations are making it challenging at the moment. But nonetheless, what they caught was that sense of enterprise. And I think what would be really interesting is... How can that work to inspire other communities to do similar things? You know, the assets that they've got within those communities are ways of, of generating further support, yeah. either for the local economy or for themselves. And I think that's a really interesting area. Funders-wise, I think there are at the moment 
a limited number of funders who are active in Wales. There are some, some very good ones there. Increasingly, I think Community Foundation in Wales are doing more and more. WCDA do quite a lot. A number of the CVSs have got their own small funds, things like the Wind, the wind Farm um, mm. in North Wales, yeah. Gwynta Morse, and, and various sources like that. So there are those around. I have quite a lot of contact with trusts and foundations, and, and often trusts and foundations maintain that they don't receive enough good quality applications from Wales. Okay. And I think that's an area to try and build upon so that Wales does well from those. Mm. Um, there are a number who are very active, so I, I think I'd, I'd seen the praises of Lloyd's Foundation, who are very active in Wales and do a lot of great work here as well. But there are other foundations who I won't name who probably aren't as successful mm. here. And I think it is really important that we try and ensure that UK-wide trusts and foundations um, are getting approached and start to see the best of Wales, because there's a lot of good stuff that goes on mm. here that mm. perhaps they're not seeing. Yeah. Um, and, and it would be great to get more and more coming through there. So there's a sober aspect to it in terms of the more broader strategic yeah. longer term in terms of austerity, in terms of Brexit. But I agree with you. I tend to try to be more optimistic about these things and say, OK, well, we can fall into perhaps what can be a default pessimistic mm-hmm. viewpoint of some of those big, big things in, in simple terms. But if we are still not exploring, and by the sounds of it, there are some avenues that maybe we aren't exploring in, you know, enough, until unless we've explored all of those, we're finding actually you know, there's an unresponsiveness or you know, our priorities aren't their priorities or whatever, then there's still some work for us to do to... There is there, and I think and, this, and that's positive. I think this point about enterprise is interesting as well, and community spirit that often drives that enterprising yeah, approach. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, if we are at this point now, where um, at some point there will be a, a broader discussion about public services, because um, you know, at times people can local authority bash, which isn't really fair a lot of the time, and um, they are faced with incredibly difficult decisions and incredibly difficult financial environment. Mm. Um, and often what we see there is those discretionary things that they do and discretionary services that might be being pinched. Now what the opportunity is, is I suppose, there is for communities to seize back a bit of control yeah. and actually have to think hard about what's really important. The great thing about this is when you do go out on a Saturday or a Sunday or on an evening and you see thousands of volunteers who might be supporting, say, a sports club, so you'll see children running around a sports pitch, Inevitably, that's mums and dads that help set that up. Mm. There'll be a coach there who's a volunteer yeah. doing that because those things are really important to communities. So we can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do it. Yeah. And the importance of, of having a go at doing that is, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work mm. and you, you get back on the bike afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's another opportunity. Uh, Wales often, you know, we, Wales, we often talk about the past and we talk about Miners Institutes, how they came mm. about. They are a testament to incredible community activism at that time. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're talking now, the weekend after all this snow, the, the way that people will actually come together when they're up against it and they yeah. need to do something to, to help themselves. And it's about rekindling that. So I think there's uh, almost the challenge of austerity um, presents an opportunity for us as well, uh, as well as the obvious mm-hmm. challenges that will come with that. Mm-hmm. The snow came to mind and I was engaged in a number of conversations on social media over the last few days, the snow in South Wales. That actually referred to and harked back to the last podcast we did with, with Andy and Mark around social capital, yeah. and it was checking on neighbours and it was shoveling snow away from your you know your elderly neighbours' path and, and, and pavement as I did, and and just kind of getting together it's and having a having a snowball fight. Yeah. But you know, went to the pub and the, the kids were there and we had a meal and we just spent time. Yeah, you know. and it also kind of changes that question from. You know, around sort of austerity, we're often kind of focusing on, well, you know, 
what a service is going to do for me or what's going to be going and and it flips the question to what can I do for my community yeah, yeah. and I think that's a really important one that uh, that we need to think about and I, I sincerely hope that the ongoing role that the lottery fund and national lottery funds can play with this and and all those people who buy those tickets to allow this to happen is that they can release those small sums of money that's all the larger sums of money that allow communities to do what's important to yeah, them yeah yeah what matters Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. No, it's a question that, that I've asked a lot of communities over the years, and I think is more and more being asked. Yeah. Certainly, in, in, in instead of, and I think this is only a good thing instead of the well, what, what's wrong. And it's it's wrapped up in in that question about what what matters, but it's not the starting point. It's not how that conversation oh. need necessarily yeah. kick off. I think that's key. We've mentioned conversation and dialogue any number of times, and lots of those would have been had in the snow, for example. But for some people, they used to come into the meetings. They used to articulate in their voices. They used to badgering the local authority for those groups that are either maybe more fragmented more marginalized more obscure english isn't their first language or welsh isn't their first language there is still barriers in place no matter what you do as a funder to take those away or to make those more easily navigable there are still those barriers in place and so community voice for example that you funded but i think that's come to an end yeah. now isn't it was around trying to get within communities and really dig a little bit deeper wasn't it it was very much, and, and you know, it's a, it's a, it's a point well made because I, I totally get that, um, you know, the extent to which people feel confident with their voice differs hugely, mm-hmm. um, depending on who you are, who Absolutely. you are, where you live, whole, whole sort of fa- set of factors, and of course that's where, um, why community development has such an important role. Um, but you rightly touched upon community voice, and I, I think it was a, a really interesting scheme. I worked with a number of the county voluntary services across Wales. Each of them had a sort of portfolio of projects. And I think when I reflect on that scheme now, it was very successful in some areas of actually mobilising people's voices and the voices of people who might otherwise not have been heard. My great frustration is I don't think we ever managed to access the right ears to listen to those voices. Okay. Um, so the intention was always uh, at the start was to give people a voice but trying to link into such free services, things like what were then the local service boards. Um, but then you get that change in the external world and it, it's, it's hard sometimes to, to find the, the right ears. There were notable exceptions. There were a number of cases where undoubtedly I think public service has changed as a result of those voices. But in terms of trying to get that as a kind of strategic theme that ran through and was was successful everywhere in Wales that was a, a bigger challenge but you know I couldn't thank the people who actually were prepared to speak enough I, mm. I went to a couple of conferences on this and they used some really innovative ways of, of bringing people's voices to life and, and I think those are really important in terms of giving people who might have not feel they have a voice the ability to to reach out and speak out and then the confidence to do it again because of course your confidence builds with it but yeah if you could find me the magic wand that makes sure the ears mm, are listening mm, mm, that's probably a little mm, bit harder mm, mm, mm. and of course if you know, I've, I've done it this morning we can see it from the 10th floor you know, I've walked up through there this morning as an example perhaps of that the Somali community in Butte Town in Cardiff if they're hearing more voices and seeing more people that they identify with speaking up positively mm-hmm. challenging confidently assertively then that can only presumably increase their confidence and make other people within those communities feel that, well, okay, yeah, I can also do this. Not not guarantee it. It doesn't just, just yeah. cascade out. It still needs coaxing. It still needs supporting. I would argue you, know, you need community development happening. But that must be incredibly powerful, seeing and hearing people like you, or with your experience at the very least, talking up in some of those sorts of ways. I actually, I, I think the greatest power is in communities seeing other people like them doing it. Mm. 
when you look at someone who comes from a comes from a similar background or circumstances you can relate to mm. winning you know succeeding yeah. and that's it's really powerful and that's uh, you know one of the things I, I do think is that the more we can connect communities so that they can take that inspiration and think yeah I'm like that I could do that yeah. with as you said there absolutely is a role for community development whether that be almost a sort of professional community mm. development or through inspiration of people who naturally do it because yeah. they're good at talking to communities and probably more important they're good at listening yeah, yeah. And connecting. You said Absolutely. the connection's important. Connection John, it's been an absolute pleasure. This is going to go up through any number of links, both mine but also the lotteries in Wales as well, which I'm really, really grateful for. I'm hoping people find that interesting. Maybe demystifies a little bit of the, the funding world, perhaps, only speaking from your own perspective, and there's other funds out there. But it is an important one, as you said, made, rightly yeah. made the point. It's been around for a while now, isn't it, the lottery? Over 20 years, yeah. coming up for 25th birthday. Yeah, right? yeah, so. okay. No, thank you. And all I would say on that point of demystifying, you know, if you do, if you're listening and you do feel this is a mystery, please make contact with us. Okay. Um, easily accessible from the web. We're, as I said, out there more and more trying to make contact in community settings with communities. We certainly don't want to be mysterious, and uh, we want to be out there, and we want people to understand what we're doing, and we yeah. want people to apply to us and access this wonderful resource, which is national lottery funding and um, if you're one of the listeners who buys that ticket pat yourself on the back because there's an awful lot of good work in wales that communities do that simply wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you so thank you that's the perfect note to end on thank you okay cheers